I'm Marilyn Bills. I'm the director of worship arts here at Hope, both Mount Laurel and Voorhees, which a fancy way of saying I kind of oversee everything that happens in worship except for the spoken word, except for today. Rick, how did this happen? <laughs> uh, before I was the worship arts director at Hope Church, I was a public school music teacher. And I love working with musicians and artists as we try to find creative ways to express our faith. So we have been in, and, and you guys, it, it really, I do this at choir rehearsals. I have to like move. <laughs> they try to find the most back chairs in the room. Um, we're in the last week of a series that we were been calling Worship Plus Two. Rick and Jeff have been talking about this with you for the past couple of weeks. Worship Plus Two. I, I've got a confession that when I see a plus it, with anything, I get that angsty college feeling in the pit of my stomach. It takes me back to my freshman years. I was trying to figure out my graduation requirements as a music major. I went to Ohio Wesleyan University, and I have a bachelor of music degree. And at Ohio Wesleyan, we had distribution requirements. Some schools call them core courses. You had to have 11 classes that were distributed throughout the other fields of study, and everything else was going to be in the music school. But I wasn't just going for my bachelor of music degree. I wanted to get an education certificate. So I had to have four classes of general education and child psych classes from the education department, plus four. Then on the music side of life, besides the regular music classes that all bachelor music candidates had to take, because I was getting a teaching certificate, I had to have instrumental teaching classes, how to teach percussion and brass and woodwind and strings, plus another four. And there were other pluses that I found out along the way, but that's for another time. But there, as a college freshman looking at what was ahead, the pluses looked overwhelming. So what else do I need to do? So when I see a title like this, Worship Plus Two, <laughs> I get that college angsty feeling, and I find myself screaming, what now? But actually, the answer is kind of in the scripture that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we're going to look at this one more time. It's on the screen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. Now, this is a beautiful picture of the beginning of the first community people who believed in Jesus and were trying to follow his ways. In fact, this sect of believers were called the way. We have been learning a lot from what these Jesus followers were doing, so let's continue to look at this. In verse 46, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day. They continued to meet in corporate worship, just like we're doing here this morning. They didn't stop. Rick and Jeff have been lifting the importance of these Sunday gatherings to you over the last couple weeks. Yes, worship can happen every, anywhere, 
at any time and even by yourself. In fact, one of my favorite places to worship is in my kayak in the middle of a lake. <laughs> but there's something special that happens when we come together, when two or more people gather in his name. When we come together to worship, we are reminded of who we are and whose we are. Your stories of faith, your life experiences that you've had throughout the week inspire and strengthen my journey. In worship, we experience the awe and the wonder. I get to see and hear about the work of the Holy Spirit in you, and your stories of what God has been doing in and through you are awesome. Without this weekly gathering, my faith experience is not as rich. In verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. These new Jesus followers were hungry to learn more. We believe that we never stop growing and there was always a next step. And that's why we have so many small group opportunities. This is where we wrestle with our questions. We can dive deeper in our faith. You know, one of my father's favorite sayings was, you never stop learning till the day you die. So the more I hang out in small groups, the more I want to dig just a little bit deeper. As the worship arts director, I spend most of my working hours with Steve Lonnie, Susie, and others developing these worship experiences. But I also lead several small groups. I love being in a group of 8 or 12 people, people who are all wrestling with the scriptures and talking about how these scriptures inform our individual lives. The more diverse the group, the deeper my faith grows. In small groups, we're encouraged to debate and to wrestle, to listen and, and to pray with each other. So the worship and the first plus is being committed to the process of being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We believe this happens first in these weekly gatherings and also in small groups where we have the opportunity to grow deep. Worship plus one. So that leaves us with the second plus. Verses 44 and 45 are a snapshot of, of a, commu a communal living. Many of these first-generation believers, way followers, had come to Jerusalem to observe Passover. Many of them witnessed the crucifixion and the resurrection and had stayed. Some came a few weeks later to celebrate Pentecost, which is the festival of Shavuot, where they, where they celebrate the harvest or the first fruits. It's also a time where Jewish people celebrate the receiving of the law or the Torah. But they became part of something so much more. What Christians today celebrate on Pentecost is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we read about at the beginning of this second chapter in Acts. But so these first Jewish followers, some witnessed the crucifixion and resurrection, some the first pouring of the Holy Spirit, and some just knew people who had experienced all of that. Whatever the reason, they stayed in Jerusalem, leaving their homes and their livelihoods behind. So they formed this community and they took care of each other. Uh, I would like to say that they all lived happily ever after in this wonderful utopian environment. But we don't have to look too much further in Acts to realize that's not quite what happened and human nature took over. But for the moment, these people were serving each other. 
In verse 44, it says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. The second plus is being committed to each other. We can't continue to meet each, each week without all of us serving each other. Pastor Rick talked about this last week and how you are all contributors to this place called Hope. These first believers were contributors just like you are contributors to this place called Hope. You contribute by working on the tech teams, by serving in the bands, the lobby teams, teaching Kids Connect. Without contributing, hope doesn't exist. So these first believers contributed to the community. The second plus in this title is serving because without all of us serving each other, there is no hope and there is no hope church. But this morning, I'm going to stretch this second plus. As disciples of Christ, we're in the process of being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's worship plus one. But our definition of a disciple doesn't end there. It's for the sake of others. This is not an afterthought or a tagline, but it is the core of what it means to be a follower of Christ. The second half of the second plus is how we continue to worship throughout the week. Another way to look at worship plus two is what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was being asked what was the greatest commandment, and he answers them in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Worship in small groups. Worship plus one. But then he continues. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ah, the second plus. So what does this look like and what else do I have to add to my schedule and my life to make this happen? What now? Well, if that's the question I'm asking, I'm probably looking at this the wrong way. It actually makes me think of a friend that I mentored many moons ago. Her name was Carol, and she was a young professional. She was growing her faith, and she was frustrated. She was sure that God did not work in her life. She couldn't see how God could be part of her everyday life. She tried and she tried and she thought, maybe if I just do a little bit more. So she volunteered with the youth group. She participated in small groups. She helped out anytime the church asked for additional volunteers for an activity. So she said, maybe if I volunteer after work, I can go to a soup kitchen or maybe I can volunteer in some other nonprofits. Did I mention she was a very busy professional woman? She was even working on an advanced degree at the time. So we started to meet together and to just talk about life and, and her faith journey. About the second or third time we got together, she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. God is not using me. He uses you all the time. I see it all the time, but he never uses me. Maybe I'm just not worthy. I said, Carol, I am sure God is using you. Tell me what, tell me what you did today. Start at the very beginning. Tell me about your day. So she said, well, my day starts, I usually try to get up. I spend some time. I pray, thanking God for another day. You know, I ask him, okay, God, use me today however you want. But I know he's not going to, but I do it anyway. And I, 
Then I go to work, yeah, and I got to work. I, I ran into a couple people that I had conversations with as I was going to my desk. And by the time I got to my desk, I, was like, I said, well, I'll stop right there. I said, tell me about the people you talked to before you got to your desk. So she told, she told me about these two particular encounters she had had that morning. The first was with a, a woman she didn't really know. They were on similar schedules, so they ended up at the building about the same time every day. Most of the time shared an elevator up to whatever floor they worked on. And they got on the elevator. Carol did what she always did. She said, hi, how are you doing? But this particular morning, the woman looked up and smiled back, which encouraged Carol to just go a little bit deeper. And they just started having this brief conversation about their families and what they'd be doing that weekend. She told me, she said, I got off the elevator. I was so excited. A breakthrough. She talked to me. <laughs> Then she got off the elevator, she was walking to her desk, she ran into another woman, who she was fairly close to and had been struggling. And she said, how you doing? How you holding up? Which was just enough to get this woman to have a deeper conversation with Carol that morning. As she shared some of her struggles and Carol just listened and, and was a, became a friend for her that morning. This woman said to Carol, thank you so much. You have been such a good friend as I've been trying to work through this stuff. Carol then got a smirk on her face and looked at me and said, you're going to tell me that was a God moment, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. <laughs> because it's our normal, everyday opportunities to connect with people. This was a natural thing for Carol. So she didn't see it as anything important or unusual. But in the life of those two other women that morning, maybe they were touched by a servant of Jesus Christ at just the right moment. In Romans 12, 1, it says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Remember how Carol started her day? She, had, was, she was in the habit of asking God to use her. What fascinated, fascinated me about Carol is she prayed this each day for God to use her, and yet she didn't look for the ways God was using her. <laughs> God was using her, and in profound ways. Carol was being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. She was showing up. She was worshiping. She was growing deeper in her faith in a small group, and she was serving her church family. And she was making a difference for the sake of others in her normal, everyday life. Yeah, it was fun walking this with Carol. She stopped trying to do stuff just for the sake of doing stuff and trying to earn points with God, and she started to realize that Jesus was in her everyday life. She was loving her neighbor as herself, and when we do that, Verse 47 happens. They were all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. What impact could this community of faith have on Camden and Burlington counties if we figured out how to truly love our neighbors as ourselves in our everyday life? In the video clip we saw, there were doctors, nurses, lawyers, coaches, dog walkers. How about you? What do you do during the week? This is group participation time. <laughs> what do you do during the week? Teach. Uh, build construction. 
student. But in the video clip, they proclaimed that they were the church. Guess what? We are the church. While coaching, lawyering, teaching, being a student, engineering, we see that what we do for a living and what we do during the week is not just a job or an activity. It's another opportunity for, serv for serving. How I treat a customer, a student, a patient, a coworker, a fellow student, it matters. When we practice loving the way that Jesus loved, it shows and it's contagious. But how the heck do I do this as an engineer, a stay-at-home parent, or fill in the blank, whatever it is you're doing? We come together on a regular basis on Sunday morning here to remember who we are and whose we are. That way I might remember as I'm driving home that I've got a hope sticker on the back of my car and I might not get all road ragey on someone. It might be that simple. <laughs> or maybe I might be more aware of the people I work with and more willing to engage in a meaningful conversation like Carol. In a message recently, Jeff talked about how angry our culture has become. We've lost the ability to discuss an issue without personally attacking someone who may disagree with us. The news has always been full of violence and dysfunction, but with the 24-hour news cycle, social media, tweet storms, it seems so much worse than it was when I was younger. How do we show Christ while at work or on social media? It could be as simple as not trying to fix people, to listen fully to someone before assuming we know better. When we need to speak the truth, that we use words that are not a disguise for a personal attack on an individual. In a world so full of violence and judgment, we need now more than ever to be Christ's light in the world, to love like he loved us. Can you imagine the impact this group of way followers will have on this community as we continue to grow and live out our faith for the sake of others? I cannot only imagine it. I get to see it all the time. I've seen it play out over the last 28 years of hope. Big things like people being led to start a ministry in Camden or volunteer with Urban Promise or other mission groups or creating a food pantry. Everyday miracles, that someone loses a job and an anonymous gift of grocery food cards, uh, gift cards and financial support come along. A hug just at the right moment when a person feels lonely. A door being held out in a crowded, grocery st uh, crowded store. A neighbor who shoveled a walk for another neighbor. A young man who had accumulated enough airline miles that he was planning on using at the end of the summer, but instead decided to use all those points to fly a friend east so that he could attend a funeral of a mutual friend. And when I asked why he did it, he just said it was the right thing to do. Or just about any random act, act of kindness, excuse me, <clears throat> it's the right thing to do. I have the honor of seeing these random acts of kindness played out over and over again. I hear the buzz from the neighbors up at, who talk about the people of hope, both in Mount Laurel and Voorhees. It's buzz in positive ways. I firmly believe that Hope Church is here at this time to be his light. In a few moments, we're going to be sharing communion, communion together.
when Jesus was having the Last Supper with his disciples, he said this. It was in John 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. You see how many times he said love one another? I had a teacher once that said that when Jesus repeats himself, it's important. It's on the test. Love one another. I think he was serious. He didn't say we need to add more activities to our schedules. He didn't say you need to follow a certain set of rules for me to accept you. In Jesus, there is one and only one command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's so simple, yet so profound, and not always easy to do. So maybe you do have a lot of free time in your life right now, and God's nudging you to add more to your schedule. But for many of you, I have a feeling that your schedules are already pretty full. So take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. What now? It's simple and yet profound. How does your growing faith inform your behavior and attitude the rest of the week? I truly believe that when we are living like the church that Jesus has called us to be, we will be living out verse 40, uh, 47. They were all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. As we come to communion today, I want you to think about this. In my everyday life, how can I show his love? How can I love like Jesus loved?